Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, today's show is brought to you by Build-A-Bear. Make birthday memories that will last a lifetime at Build-A-Bear Workshop. During their birthday month, kids get to count their candles before making their own birthday treat bear. The birthday treat bear is made just for birthdays and only costs as much as the age you're celebrating. So if your child is turning five, that birthday treat bear only costs $5. Visit buildabear.com to become a bonus club member for free and learn more about all the fun ways to celebrate birthdays at Build a Bear Workshop. Hey friends, today you are listening to episode number 215. Today my guest is Darina Williamson and her and her husband live in Nashville, Tennessee where he's a pastor and used to be a rapper. Yes, you heard me say that right. They're leading a multi-culture church in a Civil War rich community. I loved our conversation today about cultivating faithfulness in the midst of shadows, how God's call is still there even when it feels like it's not. We talk about the power of lament. We talk about bridge building. We talk about people saying, hey, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. Darina brings so much sweet, beautiful, gracious insight into our conversation today. She's a children's book author, and I love the books she's putting out. You're going to hear us talk about them in in the show today. Friends, I want to remind you that this past year, I released my first book, If You Only Knew, My Unlikely, Unavoidable Story of Becoming Free. I hope you've had a chance to read it. If you haven't, I'd love to encourage you to pick up a copy. Head to your library, check out a copy. You can get it in audiobook. You can get it as a Kindle. You can get it on Amazon and it'll be shipped to your house in two days. I wrote this book for all of us who have ever walked through times in our life where we felt shame, where we felt not enough. I often wondered if people knew my whole story, what would they think? And what I found out is that when we proclaim the mess of our lives, we actually proclaim the grace of God. So I'd love for you to join us in reading it. You can get it anywhere books are sold. Okay, friends, here is my conversation with Dorena. Welcome to the happy hour. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Um, <laughs> okay, introduce yourself to my listener. I am married to Chris, Marvel comic collector slash former rapper slash amazing pastor. Former rapper. Former rapper. Like, what did what, it like in that's a past what, life? Or he's still that's what got us to Um He doesn't rap now. He could, I'm sure. Um, well, I mean, once a rapper, always a rapper. Yeah. He, um, that's what got us to Nashville, actually. Um, we met in college. He was part of a rap group and they got a record contract and we moved to Nashville to further that career. And instead, they lost a record contract. And a few years later, we started a multiracial church. That, that's like the craziest started a church story. Yeah. 
Was he a have y'all been believers? You grew up in a Christian home. You've been loving I Jesus grew your up, whole life. I grew up in a Christian home, loving Jesus. You know, fell in love with Jesus as a young child, pastor's kid. Um, okay. He grew up in a, a religious home. Uh-huh. Um, became a believer in high school, but really didn't start walking with God until college, and oh. and then got called to preach. You yeah. Know? And so, um, yeah. So having been a, a former rapper who thought he would be an illustrator, I tell him that God took the communication gift that uh-huh. he had that he thought was just swag and, you know, run DMC and and uh-huh. this is who I am. And, you know, in the 80s, rap was kind of, the Christian world was like, that's of the devil. Uh, yeah. um, we don't do that. Right. But a few kind of open-minded, I would say, uh-huh. Christians were like, well, you know, their raps sound like sermons. They yeah. just rhyme. Yeah. And so he he realized that God was calling, tugging on his heart to preach something he never wanted to do. So here's so. my question for you: You moved to Nashville. Like I'm, my husband's a rapper, and then you've been married to a pastor. Yeah, for twenty something years. Uh-huh. Was that an adjustment? Like I didn't. Did you? You grew up as a pastor's kid. And yes. sometimes people grow up as pastor kids. They're like, I don't want anything to do with being a pastor's yeah. wife again. <laughs> yeah. Was that a thing for you? You know what? Fortunately. I had a good PK experience. My dad um, made sure that we knew and felt that we were more important than the church. So, you know, yeah. he was, and he's still pastoring. Um, so I didn't go into marriage. I tell people I didn't sign up knowing Chris will become a pastor because he didn't aspire to it. So it just wasn't a subject. He knew he would be in ministry, but he thought it would be like a youth youth pastor, yeah. you know? And I was like, I'm cool with that because I, I saw the gift that, was in him, and I wanted, and he wanted me. We both wanted each other to flourish in the gifts that God gave yeah. us. Um, we just had no way of knowing it would be pastoring, and he absolutely never, ever, ever wanted to start a church, ever. And God was like, okay, so what I'm going to do is bring y'all to Nashville because your record company's here after he finished his college and seminary. I'm going to bring y'all here, and you're going to think it's because your record company's here, and now you're ready to, like, travel and be famous and be a big yeah. Christian rapper. And instead, I'm going to cancel that contract because uh-huh. that's not really what I have long-term for you. But I got you to Nashville. I got you to Nashville, and I'm going to open your eyes to what I'm doing here in this Civil War-rich town where the lines are drawn between black and white and history, and I'm going to start something new that's never mm. been done in Franklin, and that is a multiracial church. And so it was quite a journey but I, we saw what God was doing, yeah. just like you know Henry Blackaby says in 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 you know in that beautiful um, book, Experiencing God. You know, you find out where God is at work, and you join Him, and that's really what we did. We just tried to find a way to be faithful and serve as a young married couple, and as we did that, God made started doing something really beautiful. And we said we just want to be a part of that. What year did y'all start the church? In 1995. Okay. Oh yeah. So 23, 23 years ago, before it was kind of the, uh-huh. the, the, the end thing, the popular thing now that, that people are, are, are leaning into, you know, multiracial churches have grown over the last few years, which is awesome um, that people are recognizing the beauty um, that happens when God's people dwell yeah. together in yeah. unity, you know, in the house of God. Um, but it's been a good work. That's good. That's good. And it leads me, when you said that you didn't know, like, you know, Chris had this idea and you guys thought this is where you're going to go. And mm-hmm. God's like, hey, here's actually what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. all this work that I've been doing in you and through you is actually for what I have your purpose to be. Yeah. I know that's a little bit of your story as well. Absolutely. Of just feeling as though, God, you've been doing things in me and I've been faithful, even though it hasn't always felt right. 
And then now you're kind of on the other side. So you can look back and say, here's where I saw you doing that. Let's talk about that for a second. How does that feel for you? Yes, that's really a great, a great way to coin it. Not just Chris's story, but, but even my own story of, of, you know, being a mom and, and discipling young girls as a young mom, I discipled teen moms and, um, in the church that we were at before we started Strong Tower, I had some opportunities to lead worship with, um, you know, people who became dear friends, you know, Todd Smith, the husband of Angie Smith, mm-hmm. and uh, Natalie Grant, and Nicole Mullen, just people who've, who God has used in amazing ways. You know, 23, 24 years ago, we were just all in community in, in Franklin, and, and they were willing to, you know, help launch and for a season be a part of this new thing. And I was just along for the ride, just doing the things that God called me to do and, you know, raising kids, um, leading worship, and um, had no way of knowing that God would take my multicultural church upbringing and would take my love of reading and my passion for representation for my kids and use the years of multicultural church ministry. Mm. Some of those years, which I felt were sort of what am I doing? Yeah. Am I just wasting uh-huh. time? I could have gone and gotten a career for myself. I could have gone and become a whatever, gotten yeah. a master's degree and done whatever. And that's not the path that God had for me. Um, in the last few years, he's shown, I'm taking all those experiences that you had, and I am preparing seed for the next generation. Okay. And I'm going to use these years that you just were cultivating yeah. faithfulness, you know? So you're on the other side. Yeah. There are people listening that are in the middle. Yes. What? Because it's hard to, it's hard to like, when you're on the other side, you're like, no, stay faithful, stay strong, Mm -hmm. persevere, you can do it. But then when you're in it, you're like, but you're already on the other side. That's easy for you to say. What do you say to the woman in the thick where she's like, does this matter? Mm-hmm. Yes. It could be mothering. It could be ministry. It could be whatever. Exactly. Yeah. It could be all of it at the same time. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> you know, what you were doing. It was. Yeah. And I would just say to that mom, I would say to that woman, I keep using that word, you know, cultivating faithfulness because so often what we're pursuing is not attached to just being faithful. It's I want this dream. I want that dream. We want to fast forward to it. We want to like leap and bound to it. But the way through it is the same route that the heroes of our faith took. Mm. You know, we all want to have faith. We want to be great women of faith. But do we really want the road that Sarah had to walk? Do we want the road that Ruth had to walk, that Bathsheba had Mm -hmm. to walk, that these people who, you know, these women in Jesus' lineage and and these heroes that we look up to, Abraham, father of our faith. But Look what he had to yeah. walk through. And so own that. I think if someone had told me, you're going to walk through some very dark seasons. It's not always going to be platform pretty. It's not always going to be, God is able. Let uh-huh. me just declare. Sometimes it's just going to be, God, I don't understand. Right. Like, I felt like you called me to do blank, and I'm not seeing it. And in those dark moments, know that God's call is still sure. Mm. Um, but you're walking this part of the journey and trust him and ask him. There are times you have to ask him, God, just renew my vision of faith yeah. because I'm my, my vision is is low right now. I'm looking around me and the pruning doesn't look pretty. Yeah. It's looking like what's going on. Yeah. But the the time after the pruning is not that's not the glory time. The glory time is when the fruit and the flowers are bursting with color and everyone goes, How beautiful that mm-hmm. is. But to get there, 
somebody's got to plant the seed and then it's got to be faithfully faithfully watered and then you've got to prune and then you've got to keep cultivating and waiting. Yeah. And so if you're in those seasons, know that life is all about those seasons. Once the fruit comes, then you start the cycle all over yeah, again. You know, totally. I mean, none of it's in vain. Right. Don't compare your season to someone else's. Yeah. Don't let the lies of the enemy or even um, the negativity from other people derail you from what God has called and purpose. Just trust the season you're in mm-hmm. and just keep your eyes of faith, just like our ancients, our heroes yeah. in, in the Bible and in history, yeah. the people that that came before us. Uh-huh. And I, I remind myself of that as a woman of color. There's times I remind myself, let me read, um, let me read some of my my black history. Uh-huh. Let me remind myself of what some of my ancestors had to walk through. Yeah. Sometimes to just cut my pity party and uh-huh. just say, sit up, hold on, wait a minute. It is not that bad. Yeah. But then the other times to just go, Lord, um, it's really dark right now. And I want to, I want to see the light. I want to be confident that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to live and not die yeah. and proclaim your goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, even though right now it doesn't look that good. Yeah. I think that when you gave that illustration, it kind of clicked in my head about, you know, we want the faith of these people. We want to accomplish what they've done. But yet, what about everything they had to walk through to get there? Mm -hmm. We forget that. We're Mm -hmm. so easy to forget the pain and even just the hard work and the mm-hmm. diligence yes. and the one foot in front of the other that yes. it takes. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there are moments that you feel like that currently in our society, being a woman of color mm-hmm. and pushing through with helping people understand different experiences. Mm-hmm. I would imagine there are times that you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Oh, absolutely. There, there are many of those times. And I wring my hands in frustration and I groan. I'm learning anew the power of lament, of just crying out to God. Um, there's so many psalms and passages in Scripture, lamentations, mm, yeah, you know, that yeah. just are about pouring out our hearts to God. Um, and that's that's been powerful, as well as leaning into the community that I've formed, um, the community in my church, you know, the people that I do life with, people from all backgrounds, people of different races, people who've had different lived experiences in mind, vastly different, learning from them. Um, you know, social media, the good side of social right. media is I can lean in and listen and sit at the feet of great people whose lives are different than mine, whose racial backgrounds are different, but I'm learning from them and I'm seeing the beauty of God um, and the power of God's work through them. And so you know, so often I just have to go, Lord, let me just, let me get out of me. Let me get out of the darkness that I'm feeling or the oppression, because it's real. Yeah, it's real. Um, and and I'm grateful for, I just had a bridge, build, a bridge building friend this morning, a white sister who's adopted a sweet biracial child and just said, thank you for the hard work of bridge building. I can't imagine how how heavy it's been. And I was like, God, thank you. Like she didn't have to send that to me, but yeah. just a simple text this morning of all mornings to say, thank you, because I am growing and I'm learning things and I am purposing myself and how I'm going to train up this daughter of color that yeah. God's entrusted to me because I'm learning from you. Mm. And those small moments, the Lord says, it's not in vain. If it's just for her, praise God. Mm. You know, if it's just for that one person, and I know it's not, but that's the kindness of God. Yeah. And so to even declare that and say, God is kind enough to give you just those 
that little bit of win, yeah. that little bit of keep going. It's not in vain. You may feel like nobody's listening. You may feel like everybody's against you because the criticism is great. Yeah. But there's always a remnant that's listening and that's learning and and sit up, daughter. Yeah. And and let me strengthen you mm-hmm. and remind you of the work that I've done and the good work that I'm continuing continue. to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm gonna send a text to Tasha when we get done, Tasha yes. Morrison, because yes. I was in her first group that she started and I look back and I'm so thankful mm-hmm. for the work that she's doing. Yep. God, with everything that she's doing. I'm so Absolutely. thankful. Absolutely. Guys, I know that you are loving this conversation with Darina as much as I am, but I want to stop and thank two more companies that help make the happy hour possible. The first one I want to thank is ZipRecruiter. You know, there are job sites that send you tons of the wrong resumes to sort through or make you wait for the right candidates to apply to your job. And that's just not smart. But you know what is smart, you guys? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash HH to hire the right person. You see, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Guys, I also want to thank another one of today's sponsors, and that is FabFitFun. You guys, the FabFitFun Fall Editor's Box is here. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year with full size. You heard me say that. Full size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products for just $49.99 a box. This box makes a great gift for your loved ones, a daughter going away to college, a new mom, or yourself. Treat yourself with this FabFitFun box. Like I said, they're full size products. No samples of anything. That's probably my favorite thing about it, guys. The fall editor's box includes... Ahava Mineral Hand Creams, Spongel Body Buffer in Freesia Pear, the Understated Leather Free People Eye Mask, Summer and Rose Brittany Tote, two Glam Glow Bubble Sheet Mask, and a Cyclo Cobra Bluetooth Earbuds, which I need in my life right now. I love getting the box because it's full size. Like I've said a thousand times, I cannot say it enough. I love it comes straight to my doorstep. It's like Christmas when it arrives. And I love that I get to try out new products that I might be a little bit nervous about trying out before. Guys, today you can sign up for your FabFitFun box. It's a limited supply box that boxes always sell out. Use my code IVY, I-V-E-Y, to get $10 off your first box. For a life well-lived, use promo code IVY, I-V-E-Y, to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 worth of products, you guys, for only $39.99 with my code. Go to FabFitFun.com, use my code IVY, and then tag me on Instagram and show you what you love. You're going to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. You know, that kind of wants me to ask you about your children's books that you've written because they have representation of all kids who look different. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I know you hear often and I hear often and it's something that we can talk about is a lot of people will say, well, I am colorblind. Mm -hmm. I don't see color. Mm -hmm. 
And you and I both know that that's not true and that's not real. But what has been your experience with trying to help people understand that color is actually, it's a real thing and it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, just what you said, that it's not true. You know, when people say they're colorblind, you know, I want to as lovingly and gracefully as possible say (laughs) to that woman listening, it is not true. It is not true. Right. (laughs) And we are, we who bear the name of Jesus, who say we're followers of Jesus, who um, hold the banner of truth, um, we should not be teaching our children falsehood. Yeah. Um, And we only talk about colorblindness when we talk about skin color. I've so, never heard that before until just now, and it is so true. It, I mean, when your child puts on a blue shirt and a red <laughs> pair of shorts and pink and brown and purple boots, uh-huh. you don't say, oh, baby, it doesn't matter because we're colorblind. Uh-huh. No, when that one-and-a-half-year-old knows their colors, that the grass is green and the robin is red, yeah. you think they're brilliant. And so we do teach children color. I think people teach color blindness, or I don't see color, because it seems, and I say seems, like an easy way to dismiss any rhetoric about differences. So if we don't see it, if I don't see it, then it's not there. And I would say, besides the fact that that's not true, that we're colorblind, it also diminishes the glory of God's handiwork because He made all of these beautiful colors. So He made me chocolate Uh and made you, as my daughter called white people, peach. Uh I like to say peach. He made you peach on purpose. He didn't go, oops, I meant to make Jamie Uh or oops, I meant to make Drew. He made me as Psalm 139, 14 says. We love to quote it and wear it on our t-shirts. But do we really live it? Mm. And do we speak it? So what are our kids hearing? How can we say I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but you're talking about a people group yeah. like this. Right. I have a question for you. I have, have you ever heard a person of color say I'm colorblind? I don't think I've heard a person of color say I'm colorblind. I think I have heard— Because it people, feels like a white thing. I think it's more of a white thing, but I also think that people of color will minimize discussion about race Okay. because— it's frankly, it it's hard sometimes to be in white spaces where you know it's you're gonna be misunderstood. It's For almost sure. like let's just I not just, go there. Yeah. Let's just not go there because I'm tired. I'm exhausted. You know, from I'm this just conversation. Yeah. It's just it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and it is. Mm-hmm. So it is more of a white thing, but I would say I think some people of color, um, of all colors, would also approach conversations about race and prefer to just sort of say, well, we're all the same inside, so let's just not even talk about it because why, you know? Or maybe they've been raised to just assimilate to, you know, in America to white culture, you know, which was was the premiered, Uh you know, because of white supremacy, it was white is is better, Uh and so anything else is is less than. Right. And that still permeates so many of our facets of culture. Yeah. So um, I do think it's more of a white thing, but I wouldn't say it's exclusively a white thing. Yeah. I had never thought about that until Mm -hmm. just now. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever even like thought about that. Yeah. You know? Um, So did all of this work that you've been doing with bridge building and you and your husband pastoring a multicultural, multi-ethnic church, did that bring you to, I mean, where did kids books, because where did it come that you want to write? I want to write a book for children. Yes. Where did that come from? Well, I really trace some of this back to Trayvon Martin mm-hmm. um, and the resurgence, not that shootings were not happening, right. but I think Trayvon was really a catalyst. Mm-hmm. I mean, Emmett Till, you yeah. know, we go back century, you know, yeah. a half a century ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but today, you know, we've got this resurgence where, you know, things are being videotaped or audiotaped. Right. And we're seeing images mm-hmm. and people are having to um, reconcile or justify or excuse. People are having to see something that they might not have had to have seen. That's right. Because of just social media stuff, right? That's exactly right. And so in my house, having a son who's 24, I remember when Trayvon was killed, calling him and saying, dude, can you just, I know you wear hoodies. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, can you sort of pause on that for a minute? He's like, mom, if I don't put my hood up when it rains, it's cold. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why I'm doing it. I was like, I know, but... Trayvon, you know, the fear that any woman who's raising a black son felt um, thinking about the reality that we never forget, but it just had a heightened, heightened sense of conversation in my family for sure. Pairing that, those conversations that we always have, but we were having in a different way, um, pairing that with looking at my Christian culture and seeing, you know, my my Christian fam saying things like, I don't see color. Mm -hmm. I raised my kids to be colorblind. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that doesn't help because yeah. there's no color blindness when right. police are pulling someone over, yeah. you know? And so I, I felt frustration that these dual conversations that don't reconcile are happening. Um, and around that same time, I noticed that Mattel, maker Barbie, and American Girl were putting out expanded doll lines featuring more diverse skin tone. And having had three daughters, I was happy to see that representation, but I also felt, again, that frustration that, some kids are being raised to say colorblindness, and then here, here are the rest of us saying we need this representation right. because this is real in, right. our, in our lived experience. So I started feeling this, maybe I can speak to the conversation. Yeah. Maybe I can help. And wrote notes in my journal thinking they'd just be a blog one day. And the thoughts kept coming, and I kept writing. And I thought, well, gosh, I think this could be a sweet little kid's book if anybody would care to publish it and read it. I don't know, but maybe. And then that that led this journey of, you know, let's see if this is something that God could use. And And, he does. And he he does. And he has. I mean, every time I look at it, I'm just amazed again that here it is. And and the the feedback from parents with kids of all races, you know, white kids, mixed mixed race kids, kids of color— the joy of those children having representation, meeting little girls named Imani. One of the girls in the books named Imani. And everywhere I've read, I've had a girl say, my name is Imani, just uh-huh. like the girl in the book. Uh-huh. Or, you know, brown kids saying, you know, um, she looks like me or he looks like me, touching the book. And yeah. just the joy of knowing that our Christian kids who are being raised both in homes with no faith, uh-huh. but but especially our kids of faith are, are having their values but also having rep- the representation of the glory of yeah, God yeah. in the same book. You know, I think it's, as, as a mom raising a black daughter, I'm super happy. My boys aren't reading books like this anymore. But, yeah, you know, yeah. my daughter is super, it makes me happy to be able to have books in her room mm-hmm. with little girls that look like her. But I also want to remind all of the people who are listening that are not raising children with brown, black, dark, Asian, whatever kind of different skin than the majority culture of white, that it also matters that your kids see kids that look different as well. I think that is where a lot of people get hung up. Yes. When they think, oh, this is great for black people. They have a book that looks like them. Instead of, this is great for all of us yes. to be to be able to see literature and walk into a store and see something with diversity. That's right. That's and, exactly And your right. book is super diverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So important. I mean, you know, there's this concept of literary windows and mirrors. And so we want to give kids literary mirrors where they see a lived Uh experience that looks like them or see characters that look like them. 
but then we also want to give them windows where they can look out into the world, right? And books are such a great way to do that, you know, for free through a children's library, um, you know, through churches as well, but, you know, for a really nominal cost to be able to bring the world into your children's lives where they can learn about people and they can learn about values and have things reinforced and, and tools with these books that help shape perspective because so many parents are saying, I want to have these conversations, but I'm not used to having them. I didn't grow up having them. I grew up, and if you talk about race, it was awkward. Like, yeah, weird. Don't talk we about, don't yeah. talk about that. So I don't know how to. I'm yeah. not well-versed. Uh-huh. I'm not fluid in this. I'm not in community with people who don't look like me. Um, and so I'm hoping that these books can help, yeah. um, help parents and aunties and grandparents mm-hmm. and neighbors, anybody that's influencing kids yeah. to really yeah. have those conversations. I know. It's just important. It's important for adults. I mean, let's just be real. It's important yes. for people to do that, what you just said, that look into different life experiences, different, all kinds of things that look different than us. Yes. Or else we become pretty boring. We do. And we become pretty narrow-minded mm-hmm. and all the things. And I want parents to know that if you don't have these conversations and start planting seeds when they're young, just like you do, for instance, about sex. I know every Christian parent I know is fiercely protective. Like they don't want their kids' first conversations or main conversations happening outside of the playground, home, right? You uh-huh. know, or on the playground. And so if you don't teach your kids and they're going to hear all kinds of smack and junk and falsehoods and nonsense from their friends, right, about sex. So just like that subject is so important that you're shaping from the time you're changing their diapers and you're bathing them and you're talking about your values and you're teaching them about good touchers and and not good touches and things like those important things. In the same way, if you are not talking with your children about race, then you're leaving them open to all kinds of nonsense in you know, impacting their perspectives. They are going to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you're not shaping it, then you're leaving them open to bias, yeah. um, to someone saying something that's, you know, totally not just inappropriate, but shameful. Right. And then because you're not having those conversations, they may not feel open to come home and have them talk with, yeah. to say, I heard this today. You know, in their minds, oh, we don't talk about that yeah. in my house. So what do I do with this? Yeah. You know, or you're raising a child who's going to leave for college and that will be the first time they've ever been around someone of a different race. Like, it doesn't have to wait. Right. You know, not in our society today. I agree. I agree. And, you know, just to like, I want to say something real quick to any people, any moms or women who are listening who um, are white and they're raising kids of a different race, Uh, whether that's through marriage, whether that's through adoption, whether that's through foster care, however it happens. One of the things that I've had to learn is these conversations about injustices that might be happening in our country. I didn't want to have them with my children because I didn't want them to know that was true, okay? Mm-hmm. Because it's not tr- it's not my reality. I didn't want my Amos to know that because he has dreadlocks and has dark skin that someone would think different of him because I didn't want to burst his little innocent heart. Mm-hmm. But I just want to encourage you that I have learned that those conversations, they're not easy. They're just as hard as I thought they were going to be. They are so important. They are so important because I need to instill value into my kid that even when they hear this, when they see this, when they hear this bias, that they need to know from me their value. And I think I also want to tell them about these realities in a safe home. Absolutely. You know, and so 
I, I'm just speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. I know as a white woman having to talk with black children about this, it sucks. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I don't always understand it mm-hmm. because I've never experienced it. But if I were to send my kids off to college and they didn't know about these things and then they get out of our small little tight-knit community, it would be a big shocker yeah. to them. And yes. so we've had many tears at our house, mm-hmm. many tears. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've shared some on here, tears of tucking my kids in mm-hmm. and them going, is that going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. And me having to say straight up, I hope not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't say no. Mm-hmm. It's like if right. kids ask, am I going to get cancer? I hope not. I mean, right. we don't know. Right. Um, but those are hard, but they're important. They are so important. And I'm so grateful that you are having those conversations and that you're encouraging your listeners to have them. And I would say to white parents who are raising white children who are saying, I just don't know if I want to, um, I would implore you. I would, I would absolutely beg you, please begin having this dialogue. And... You can begin with scripture. You can begin talking with them about the creation story and how diligent God was in everything that he created, the colors of the sunrise, the first day, you know, all the way to the color of the man and the woman from the dust of the ground, you know, all dust and dirt is some color, right? And so take them through through the scripture narrative and um, remind them of how God said to Abraham that every family on the earth is going to be blessed through you. Every family would be blessed through you. And so foundationally, teach yourself that. Teach that to your children. Absolutely bring in great resources that bring up great questions. I walk with families who have preschoolers. So this is three and four-year-olds on the playground in the suburbs. And these sweet brown kids are being told by white kids, I don't play with brown. Mm -hmm. They're being called the N-word. in public schools, in Christian schools, you know. So we don't have time for, you know, being naive for thinking that doesn't happen anymore because it does. And again, if it's not your lived experience, that doesn't negate the fact that it is a very real lived experience for other people. And in the body of Christ, we are called to bear one another's burdens. And so I would beg of you to please begin having these conversations, you know, do your work first, to lament, to deconstruct the things that you were taught wrong. I think a lot of parents don't go there because it means they're going to have to face some things. Um, But nothing worthwhile happens without doing the hard work. We've got to do it. So, you know, please do it. You know, my books are, I hope, a great resource Resource, and tool to help open up dialogue, Mm -hmm. um, invite open-ended questions, and, you know, begin to do some things that will absolutely change your family and will absolutely help you lean into the beauty of yeah. God's diverse kingdom yeah. that's always been and that you are invited to to join yeah. join join the table yeah. like yeah. join this and it is hard work i mean as someone who values this because i have family members who are part of the minority culture i still am having to face racial bias mm-hmm. in my own life yeah still even though i like I want to, I work hard at this. Mm-hmm. And so just to encourage you as well, when you come up against a wall and you're got, you think, I didn't know I thought that. I didn't know I was taught that. God's grace is so deep and so wide for us. Yes. But it doesn't mean we stop. That's right. We keep pushing on through the hard mm-hmm. because just like your example earlier of like, they don't just show up as the heroes of the faith. They push through. Yes. And God's grace is so deep. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um. Oh, gosh, we could talk about this for hours because this is so important. Thank you. Thank you for your work that you're doing. Um, If anyone is thinking that you're listening, you're like, okay, 
I need this in my life. We're, I'm going to put some some stuff up, some resources in the show notes. So check that out. A great place is to be the bridge that Tasha Morrison does. Yes. Is just it's a great starting point, mm-hmm. and she's got everything you need. Yes, is that do you do? I do. Some of yeah. her material. I, I co-lead a group in Nashville. So okay. yeah, and 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 love. Um, I'm so grateful for her. Yes, um, and for the opportunity for people to really like put some walk to the talk. Yep. Not just, oh, I love all people. Uh-huh. No, okay, but let's let's learn. Like, let's be a student of other cultures and learn what you don't know. Yeah. Keep learning. Yes, keep learning. And what an example to our kids to tell them, you know, I never knew this about American mm-hmm. history. And I don't know if this is even going to be in your history books, but let me tell you what I'm reading, what I'm learning. Like, What would that do for mm-hmm. our kids? And this Google society where literally you type Anything, in Google and, and you think I can learn about everything, uh-huh. but we we really know less. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what an example that it's our kids. Yeah. Especially yeah. as they get older to just talk them through what you're learning. Yeah. You know, we challenge them to be critical thinkers and we, um, we applaud that and we commend that. But how about we tell them some of those critical things that God We're is learning. just breaking down. Yeah. Like, where's your heart being broken about injustice that you were completely unaware of? Like I shared about learning Native mm-hmm. Native history mm-hmm. and realizing that I was taught such a romantic view of Christopher Columbus. Yeah. I was taught such a romantic view about Pocahontas mm-hmm. and in the fall, oh, Thanksgiving, and, nope. and that's pretty much it. And then we don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, like— I never knew, yeah. and I continue to lament, and I continue to learn, and you apply that to every other culture, yeah. you yeah. know, and it's it's such a beautiful, again, display of the kingdom of God and the witness of what Jesus wanted us to be, mm-hmm. and it's not just this whole hands, and I have a friend who's another color, so I'm good, or I do some good things for other people, mm-hmm. so I'm good, yeah. I check that off my life list. Yeah. Like, this is real. Yeah. It's real, and it's a real opportunity to, to come up close to the table. And I'd say, come on, let's do it together. Come on, come to the table. Yeah. Uh, are you a reader? I am. What are you reading? Right now, I have started reading, um, and I've only done two chapters, and it's breaking my heart. Um, this book called The Sun Does Shine. It's a book about a man who was sent to death row for 30 years for a crime he didn't commit. And this then, has been recommended to me a lot. Um, I got it because I saw that um, Brian Stevenson, uh-huh. who wrote Just Mercy. Did you, you know, read Just Mercy? I did. We so, actually did a book study on it at church. Oh, good. It's, one of my, it's, it's the book that I say every American has to read. Yeah, it's just everyone crazy. needs to read it. And we talked, we did a book club this summer, and we did that book. Mm-hmm. That's where everyone said, okay, you have to read this next, yes. the one you're reading. So I just, I'm just in the second chapter, and it's just, and I got it because I just, you know, I just wanted, I couldn't. I didn't want to believe, but I know it's true mm-hmm. that there are so many people in our history and so many people of color who have been unjustly convicted, um, and many have their lives have been taken it, yeah. for things that they did not do. Yeah. And I know for many people they can't fathom that, but it's it's true. true. Yeah. And so, um, so Ray's story is just it's it's crazy. Um, so I really look forward to to leaning in on that. And then, um, and then I spoke about lament earlier. Um, my husband had um, soon. Chan Ra's book, Prophetic Lament, in his library. Uh-huh. And so um, I had not read it. And so I picked that up in our Be The Bridge group. We've had some people who need an outlet for the the weariness and the mm-hmm. frustration. And we realize that we need some space for lament. So I've started diving into his book so that I can grow myself yeah. 
in learning about what I think is really a, 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 an art we're not practicing in the body, and that yeah. is being comfortable and understanding our need to lament. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kind of the two that I'm you're diving in up deep. right now. Yeah, totally different, but no fluffiness um, going on. No for you. fluff. I mean, I like fluff too. I know, but you're but, not you in know, it right now. I'm, right now, I'm not in it. Yeah, and that's just it's just not what I need. Okay. So um, I am going to complete Ray's book for the end of the year. I've got a trip coming. I need up. to get that book. It's, it's beautiful. I'm high on my list. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm going to get it. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for being faithful to what God's asked you to do. Thank you for being a voice um, that is speaking truth and grace and love. So I'm cheering you on. Thank Thank you you for coming on the show and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for having me, for amplifying my voice and for using your voice towards um, lifting everybody up. We need it. You're welcome. Thank you, girl. You guys, don't forget, if you haven't picked up a copy of my book, If You Only Knew, today is a great day to do that. You can get it anywhere books are sold. Speaking of books, I loved meeting Dorena. I really enjoyed our conversation so much. I think we could have talked for maybe two more hours and we would have recorded it for you to listen to it. Her books are great for children to have in their library. There's the colorful and the thoughtful. They're both on sale at Lifeway right now. You guys, I want to encourage you to take our conversation and have these conversations about racial equality, bridge building, colorblindness with your real life friends. It's really worth it. It's worth it to enter into the hard conversations. I hope that we modeled a great way for you to do that. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Landon Hutchinson, better known as Living with Landon over on Instagram. She hopes to inspire you to be your daily comic relief and that best girlfriend you really never knew you needed. Oh, and let's not forget, it's a lifestyle website, but not a perfectly styled life. We have a lot of fun in our conversation, you guys. And the night before we recorded, I did something I never thought I would ever do, but Landon said everyone should try it. And my assistant, Lindsay, convinced me to do it. I tell you all about it in the show. And if you're listening in real time, I hope to see some of you this week at the Edge Conference in Nashville and then at Abundance in Dallas. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. Hey guys, you are listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie, and I'm your host, and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays, and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.